Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What's up, peons? Welcome back to the Bad Christian Podcast. Big week this week. First of all, we just completed the first ever Bad Christian Roadshow, and it was a huge success. Thank you, everybody, for coming out to that and enjoying it. It was terrific. Also, of course, we have tickets on sale for the Bad Christian Conference. You can go to badchristiancon.com for that. Big announcements on guests coming soon. Also, Emery's album Eve came out last week. It is out now. It is fully on Spotify. Everybody can listen to it. The response is great for that. It feels terrific. In fact, it is on the Billboard charts this week at number 25. That's right. Emery Eve with a butt on the cover is number 25 album in the country right now. So big thanks to you. And again, please save it on Spotify and stream it. We get paid directly for that. So thank you. And one other thing that's born right out of all this community and all the stuff that we've been doing is, uh, you know, we really come out of the punk, Christian, indie, DIY scene that was started, in my opinion, by Tooth and Nail. Um, That's our lineage. And I've just uh, relaunched a labeled podcast starting at the beginning and really telling the story of what this whole movement that we're a part of now is all about. And it would mean a ton to me if you would go and listen to my work at the Labeled Podcast. So just search Labeled and you can see how the tracks were laid for the early punk Christian DIY scene that I count myself a part of and had such an amazing time. And I'm so thankful to be able to tell that story. I think it'll resonate with you guys. Forgive the word resonate. I know it's Christianese, but I think you'll resonate with it. Go check out the Labeled Podcast, please. All right, so we'll get on with the show. Today's show is, in fact, sponsored by Legacy Box. There's never been a better time to preserve your memories, and right now you can get 40% off your order when you visit LegacyBox.com slash BadChristian. Today's show, also sponsored by Podium, meet your customers where their screens are. Go to Podium.com slash BadChristian and save 10% today. Oh, hell yeah, God showed up. I don't give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever fucking talk to me that way. <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extrovert. No, girl, it's my pleasure. I, I showed my dad my penis when I was 25 years old. You don't get more honest than that. Three, two, one. Dun, Pastors dun, fans dun, dun. on Pastor's fans on. He's Pastor Spencer. He's here to say that Jesus is the only way. He's the you Alpha and Omega and the beginning of the three end. seconds. But if you don't, then you will. My best friend. Amen. My best friend is Amen. Okay. Welcome back to the podcast. I want to start today. I've got a new philosophy that I discovered that resonates. Great. So right, well Joey? With me that you're going to like uh, Two it. microphones <laughs> connected to them at all times. No, yes, I do. I am still recording. <laughs> my, it, it's probably, no matter it's what, if, you see, if Matt is in front of a microphone, there That's are two son. microphones. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I've There's got, never uh, one microphone almost in, when you hear Matt. Carter. Yeah. Yes, I've been wearing my microphone, you know, at all times, basically, 
when I'm not saying I probably have uh, getting close to a thousand hours now. It's become easier than I thought. There's way more of the stuff. Thousand? I mean, I've got a thousand hours of my God, life. About forty so days, I guess. You've only listened about to eight weeks, six weeks, minutes of it. I've probably listened to less than twenty total minutes of it. Yeah. I don't like. I, I will say this about your experiment. I actually really respect. it. I think it's really neat. I think you really are serious about it. I don't understand the accumulation of all this data, and I don't know what you're going to do with it. So it feels I don't like either. a waste. Like what's the waste? But, but I mean. Why run? Why use battery power and money to uh, SD card? Whatever you're doing, all, that, all storage. Well, all eventually, that stuff, technology can what? do something with it. I think it'll. Just, it'll. It just seems. I don't know. I'm not worried. I mean, about you're that. gonna store it, and then when you die, ruin people's lives. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's gonna ruin anybody's lives. Your great life, grandkids gonna find something Joey said and be like, "That guy was horrific." The no, not gonna care. Are awful. See, that's just everybody's so narcissistic. I don't think you, anybody don't you think can possibly care. What do you care about something your grandpa's friend said? Yeah, that's true. How could you ever care about yeah, a Georgia's dead guy? Really, Georgia's going to be so upset. <laughs> what if your grandpa was Hitler? Well, I mean, just think, care. <laughs> just think of it. That, well, okay, well, good. That'd be the best archaeological thing of all time, and it would be a benefit to society. Also, That's true. when you want to hear what Jerry sounded like when she was two, that'll be very easy to call back at any moment in the, in the future, whatever. But, yes, I've been recording myself day and night and all that. This is slightly related to that, right. but just so you know, that project is going well. <laughs> <laughs> I've really been enjoying it. Um, right. No signs of slowing at the moment. But you've got Reba doing it. Is what well, really made recorder, me freak out. But you're not doing it day to day, are you? No, I have one, but I haven't been doing the. I suggested whole day thing. to Reva that it I don't might talk be talk to enough people to make it worth it. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> the I... amount of human interaction I have would not make for any good data. <laughs> <laughs> that may be true, or it may not be true, or the fact of how much you talk or don't talk to people could be interesting and analyzable in the future. Also, yeah. Reva does not want to make some archaeologist. What is that? <laughs> What's that word? <laughs> oh boy, good luck. I was, I was they would find that and just be so disappointed. It'd be Some hours and hours of yeah, silence. It sounds, and oh then my a God, these tapes. Call. Well, let's listen to it. It's just, <laughs> damn it, I burned call. my finger on the coffee. And then she silence for three hours. Calls mom every other Sunday. <laughs> hey, mom, it's me. Oh, I'll call you back later. Then four hours of silence. The funniest thing, the funniest thing is the thought of someone burning their hand by themselves and saying, damn it, I burned my hand I on, burned a, cup my hand of on coffee. a cup of coffee. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, that's a good question. I, I'm not trying to throw you off. Go ahead. But has it changed your speech? Like, oh. have you said things more clearly? I, you know, like when you're. Oh, hello, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, have you first, done anything like that? Well, see, that's one of the interesting things is that first when I was wearing it, like I had this sense the first couple of weeks of like everything I'm doing is important. Important, it matters. Right. But, right. <laughs> but that's neat. Like it felt like it gave my life meaning in a way. Like, right. ooh, what's about to happen here with this yeah, barista? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know? so, <laughs> Am I going to capture something amazing well, right no, now? No, if I yeah. go to say something, I'm like, I'm going to nail this. Right. Because like, right? like, it'll be on tape if I... Whatever you know, it's cool. Like it, it makes you right. mind. It makes it's a, It's like it, I mean that part is like self reflective and mindful. It, it's silly and doesn't mean anything and it right. goes away. Also, when I meet other people, and they're like, "Wait, what? You're recording? Oh my gosh, that's weird. I guess this is." They feel like this is going to be weird, and it. I am shocked at how many minutes later they're like, "Oh fuck, it's whatever." They just like anybody that's like, "But you're recording, so you could hear you're going to have," it. and then it takes no time, and that person for t- does not care. Doesn't even matter. Yeah, just and I think that's what we're headed toward in the future. That's pretty cool. Nobody's going to care, and everything is recorded. Right, that is obvious. It's coming. So, what I I I got into a discussion with a guy who felt that was very untrustworthy of me to be doing that. 
Really? In a way. Yeah, it was, and I, I really admire him because I think other people may think that, but he was willing to explain it to yeah. me. He's like, because anything you say, I say now to you, then you could use against me or whatever. I was like, wow. well, there's a, yeah, I, I, I understand that. And that's true because I can even more so, you know, use something you say against you. But also, me and you don't know each other. We met tonight, and the level you, of trust you have with me, yep. that's your own to have. Right. Like and, and he's like, yeah, but it's like a thing you could use against somebody if you intended to use it for harm. I'm like, yeah, like a gun, right? Because it's a big conservative, gun. right? And he's like, well, yeah, but I mean, like, <laughs> it's like like a concealed gun. Like you don't have to disclose it. You have it. Right. It's a weapon. You could hurt somebody with it. But do you trust the person? And is it okay? And he's like, well, yeah, but I mean, I was like, you know. your level of trust with me is what it is. It, yeah, it, that's right. I can that's tell anybody point. what you said. Wow. Say, use racial. I could if I came and said this guy named this said all these racial slurs. Well, okay, the tape would just be a little worse. Well, Man, it's a great point of yours. You know, I'm not going to do that. It's certainly an interesting thing your friend brought up because a wise thing is like don't put, well don't put that in email. You need to say those things, right. but just say it face to face. face. Yeah. Don't put that on. Right, where, right. Say it face to face to Matt. You're still screwed. Right. Well, it's not screwed. It's like, <laughs> I, well, hang on. What's the moral layer? Like, where are we going here? I'm not going to do that to anybody. Or if, if I would, I would. Face to face to Matt. You're screwed. <laughs> you're screwed. Well, why would just you send an email? Yeah, but this documented. You got. Uh, <laughs> but what are we saying? Like, you, you, you my, my point is, look. Put it in writing with Matt. <laughs> you, you may be right, and you can't trust everybody. But anybody might be doing this now. Everybody's phone can record everything you say. You need not have expectation that you're not being recorded at all anyway so i'm happy to bring to the forefront people to the awareness of this <laughs> even if it is negative because it could it can be used absolutely horrifically negatively let's start talking about it let's start I, i'm a about little it. worried about you because i it, what happens what? you walk around the corner you end up in some alley trying to take a shortcut to the pizza place and all of a sudden you witness something and a guy goes you're wearing a fucking wire? Yeah. And then Matt, all of a sudden, yeah. is murdered. <laughs> For wearing a wire. I, I mean, like, you, you might, if you're around the wrong people, people yeah. that you record, and they see it, and they, you they, could be in danger. Like, I could be hanging out with criminals that I don't know are criminals, yeah. and they think you I'm You just think you're feds. at a poker game, and all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a fucking fan. It's a rat. <laughs> yeah. It's possible. But uh, so one, and no, a it's a project. <laughs> no, no, listen, listen. Imagine if it's criminals. Matt's explanation would be, look, I promise you guys, I record everything I say every second of the day. To be like, what the fuck? You want me Nobody to believe that? Does that? I don't believe that <laughs> shit. Yeah. No one will record everything they well, do. Why would you do that? I don't know. The I mean, easy thing um, to do. Data in the, the future. The easy, Project. <laughs> what I do when people get uncomfortable with it is I just look down at the microphone and say that I'm a like I love molesting children, and then they, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> And just get—I right. say something incriminating to myself, and then <laughs> oh, I was going right. to say, yeah, I just yeah. incriminate myself That's on the tape. Immediately, what you would do? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you would say the worst possible thing you could think. Right. So and say, listen, I am right. Matt Carter. I do right. this, this, and this. You can find the bodies right. on three twenty-seven <laughs> yeah. Oak Street. Just I just say something incriminating for myself. Like, right. Does that make you more comfortable? But people don't seem to actually care because everybody realizes. Right. I mean, everything's record. I mean, it just is like. You're being recorded a lot, and it'll come a lot more in the future when it's it, it just it's obvious. Any paranoid person will be recording themselves for court and for sexual assault. I mean, why wouldn't you? Like, if sexual assault's one in four on college campuses, which is that's yeah. not a really good stat, by the way. If that were true, of course, everybody on a college should be audio recording themselves. Yeah, you're right. You'd be, you just solve that problem. Yep. There's no work, my word against your problem. You're if right. You just do that, and we will do that soon. I just do want you, you to think you about it now. If it makes my social interactions weird, so what? I'm just you. You wish you had maybe a little camera too, or you don't? No, care I, about I, the I don't know. I just I'm just in, interested in audio. But anyway, not trying to talk about. It. There's many things to talk about that. You sidetrack me all day. I Sorry. found a uh, 
philosophy recently that is like, I was like, whoa, that is so, yep. sounds like me. And I wanted to share it with y'all. It'll sound crazy <laughs> probably to some people too, but I want to float it by no, you. No, not you. The philosophy is, it's actually like a, like a church kind of a thing. It's actually, they, they think of it yep. like a religion, but the okay. principles behind it make a lot of sense to me. It's yep. a Swedish uh, church. I love the Swedes. And, and it's, I don't know how you pronounce this, but Kopimism, K-O-P-I-M-I-S-M. And basically what they believe is that all copying and all they say they believe that copying information is a sacred virtue and they uh they just think that all copying is good basically wow so think about that for a second so they're they're tenets, I probably agree with a lot of that yeah it's that very statement? interesting yeah. they think copying information is ethically right yeah first of all they think that dissemination of information is ethically right and that copying and mixing things together is a sacred kind of copying um so so that the perfect digital copying because it expands and enhances the existing wealth of information. So if you make a mashup video, you've increased yeah. something about the world. You've so all copying is good. Period. Wow. So what it what it stomps on is stuff like um you know, they go a little farther and stuff like the internet's holy and code is law. I mean, it gets a little I mean, it's a little bit out out there, but fundamentally I love it. It's, it's it stomps tramples upon intellectual property rights, for instance. Right. Like, if you have a movie and it could be copied, a script you wrote, or a story, or a narrative, and it goes, good. Right. How can that not be? Oh, you yeah. can't make as much money off of it? That's the that's the hang-up? Right. No. This Bible story, these... And I told you before I was into narratives and these... You know, right, right, right. I'm into the story and narrative stuff. It's like, if you can make something that can resonate and anybody ever wanted to copy it for any reason, Good. Right. Like, what else could there be to do? And whatever is useful, whatever is seen as valuable, will continue. How could you stand in the way of that? Right. That seems very reasonable to me. Well, well, copying and admitting you're copying. Yeah. Copy everything that's good. The more copying, the better is the idea. Because yeah, anything that can be copied will and should. Now, this underpins way, way deeply. If you just think about evolution, for instance, like. I mean, I'm I'm off in my own conjecture now, but you know, evolution is about the genes that are effective surviving. And we yeah. talk about memes, like memes generate, they get generated. There's no attribution to who made a meme or something that trans right. transmits memetically. And I don't think people know this, but Richard Dawkins invented the term meme in the seventies in one of his books. And it's about something like a gene that can replicate itself and then go on. Right. And so that's when something is mimetic or is a meme. And you can distill all this information down in some graphic that shows something or says something and it's shared and nobody gets credit for it and everybody gets the information. And every bad meme doesn't – it's not a meme. It just dies. And if for, it's good, it goes farther. Yeah. And so the internet and copying and propagation of anything useful, that's the only – that's all we've got. That's like – that's the underpinning of like everything. All right. So for clarity purposes, someone somehow – uh, taps into your computer or your cloud or whatever, steals the new Emory album, yep. and pretty much takes all of that and somehow gets right. gets it out first and say we wrote this and the album goes huge. I mean that's sure. such a stretch. Y'all wouldn't be cool with that. No, we are cool with that. I leaked the album already. I t- we gave it to the no, no, backers no, no, of no, the no. thing. Said no, go ahead and leak it if no, you want. Someone to. released it from them. 
with them singing and playing the same songs and the album went platinum. You would not be cool with that. Well, that's not copying in, in the direct sense, though. Right. I that, mean, but that, that's okay. That's but that, copied y'all's creativity. No, well, no, I mean, that, copy that, the that file is, would be okay. better. It would All be right. better. That's a worse copy. I mean, my, I, to, to your point, well, that's a worse copy. Let's no, go, it's like and a also corrupted what, your, copy. Your, uh, uh, I don't know if it's an analogy, metaphor, whatever this is, your story your, uh, here is somebody copied only for money. Right, or and they were doing like that. it. For, like, that's what was that about? Well, he's talking about you copy something. For example, if I hear you preach a sermon and I go, oh, my God, that's life-changing, I'm going to copy it exactly and tell these people. That's good. I would I say I the better the, word I, there is my derivative. My goal isn't to steal it from you. My goal is copy. it's mm-hmm. so awesome. Let's help humanity hear bad. that. Yeah, so. but even copy me. Like, somebody wants to take our art and do beyond with it, good. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. like, basically... I, if it's I license any copy. This podcast, I mean, it makes a lot of sense from my from where I'm at. Like, even I've been in music to where the biggest worst thing that can happen to Tooth and Nail is that Under Oath album leaks and they lose all. It's this big deal, or whatever. And then Napster comes out, you know, and Metallica's freaking out because, but, but that's all wrong. That's just all wrong. Just the more people that hear Emery, the better. Our whole, I have this career now yeah. because of freaking file sharing, right? And but, also, how about this? That's why I have I, a career. I'm better. I have been thousands better off. of more people got it. Yeah, probably ten to one that paid for it got it. Good for me. How much has my my life been improved by somebody doing an acoustic cover of Ponytail Parades? That's right on YouTube. Even that is they good. copied it and they I did it. They that. took it yeah. themselves, and yeah. so I go, so, oh yeah. man, that's amazing. I understand. But, I needed clarification. So it goes to a moral level next, which is interesting to me. Is if that's true, which I think I have just yeah. no problem feeling like, man, if something's awesome enough to get copied, that's good. What if the thing that's getting copied is a bad thing? And now we get to the thing that we've talked about before with mega churches yeah. or whatever else. It's like, is it fundamentally the case? And I feel this way. And so I'm going to try to be honest about my philosophy here. If I'm just this, I'm just a human, and this is what I feel like, and this is why it speaks to me. I feel like I'm me. I feel like me, good. I feel like more me, good. better. Okay. Right? Does that make sense? Yes. But starting with, I think Matt Carter, good. Good. I think Matt Carter, good. Yes. More Matt Carter, better. <laughs> Does that do, I don't, and that may not be true about some people. I judge myself to be a net positive, right. and therefore, I make a podcast, I talk, I share my ideas, I'm going to record myself, and There's I more, fucking yeah, hope as yeah. many people can possibly, yeah. more me, better. So, right? Yeah. I feel the same way about myself. Okay. And I, I understand there's some people that may think that that are what we might societally deem as net negatives, though. Right. That's where it comes into maybe a little bit of danger. It's like right. more Hitler better, you know, like worse. Right. That's well, worse. I don't right. think you or nor myself, More megachurch though. better, more of, you know, Mark Driscoll right. better. Is it worse? I don't know. But. It's weird, though. There's two components. I think the more Joey, the better. But I also don't think the world needs Joey, so that's a tough. Yeah, but this is what you want. I mean, it seems good, and if you can, in, in your yeah, I definitely. Know, like, if you, more you people intend... hear, if more people hear me, I definely think the world's a better place. Right? right. <laughs> you think, that's what I'm saying. I think everybody thinks that, and so now the game I think is that on. About me, too. and this is what our this is what we're doing out here. This is what, and if you look at all the way back to genetics and memetics, survival of the fittest, everything. This is kind of what's. This is what drives everything. It's like if it can replicate then it gets to exist. Yeah. So you had to kind of wonder at some point what's good and bad and it fights and whatever, but that thing's profound. It drives all of everything, including obviously reproduction is the simplest. So I'm trying to think of like, what is the best thing I can do is like have insights and thoughts and share them in a podcast and make it free. And hopefully, I don't, 
or I'm wrong and that's negative. I don't know. I think it's positive, so I feel validated in doing that. But I do hope it gets replicated as many times as possible. So now I'm curious which are the things worth replicating from biological to like what's good, copy the music I make or the words I say or capture my voice all the time. But deep down, you're dealing with replication itself. So what I'm suggesting is that your fundamental drive, and you tell me which is more important, your podcast replicating or you having children. Are they the same goal? Is both the goal of both of those? In the context of what is good for the world? I'm just saying your fundamental motivational drives, is this all about, Mm. is you having kids all about more Toby and their podcast also about more Toby? And if so, which one's more effective? No. (laughs) I see my... You know what I mean? Like if you just reduce it to that. I see my kids as more of a selfish way of, I'm so glad I get to have them. Right. Like, and I think it really is more about love then, ooh, I got to disseminate more Joey Svensson in this world. I, I'm not thinking that. Yeah, but and that's, I'm not a, that's thinking kind of a biological and, evolutionary trick. I mean, your strong yeah. drive way above love is like replicate, yeah. uh, get kids, more me. Like, My I feel kids, like that's like, deep down like, what's really going on. Your kids on. will be better than other kids. Yeah, so more Joey. Right. Like, that's what it is. You're good. I'm not the, the, judging I think that's it morally. Think, like, I love my kids the most. I don't even know if you I like them. You think they're the best. I don't even think I, I because like Because they're like kids. you, though. Because they're right, partly right, you. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Like they, I, and because I get to control them. You right. go to bed at this time. You do this. You learn this you. thing. This is what this is. They take your code. Like, right. your computer code is Emery's album and ones and zeros. But our, but and your genetic po- code is ATCG. bring up our pocket. Our pocket's very similar. Right. It's Toby's code embedded in this thing. Embedded, replicated, disseminated. That's your job. That's wild. That's why you had kids. That's right. why you make albums. Yeah. That's why you do a podcast. Because you think more Toby is better. Wow. Right? Well, well, that's so heavy when you think about the base <laughs> thoughts you have. It's the base thoughts. It's not it, your conscious like drive All of out. our thoughts we think are higher right. or lofty. What's uh, needed? What is the helpful? world? Help the world. Right, whatever. Make the world better. I care about that country that I don't live in. All these things. And your base is real Your crazy. Base is me, me good, <laughs> me more good, me better, more me better. Right, that is my base. Yes, I know. And it sounds horrible if everybody admitted it, and everybody does it. <laughs> right, well, every I mean, some human on earth. Some people don't. Some people think I'll kill myself. For yeah, instance. Maybe I mean, like well, I don't know I what everybody right. they don't thinks. Have kids. Some people don't. Ha- huh. Some people think I replicate myself value, through my writing, right. but I would never have kids. Yeah, and maybe that's maybe that's a higher evolved way of more me. Yeah. Maybe you don't need the, you know what I mean? But it, all those things seem to come from the same drive that's fundamental to even anything. I mean, what you're saying, even in thoughts, like uh, I'm looking at Reva right now. If Reva takes a little bit of imprint of Toby with her and goes, you know what? Then that's the, a success in, in your book. I know. In this decision, <laughs> I'm making a Toby decision. You like that. Woo! That's right. When I have to deal with this mechanic at the garage, what would Toby do? Ah, I left my mark on this Yeah. Board. I mean that's so it sounds so evil to right. say it that yeah, way. Yeah, I know or it does. It's ambitious, oh, it sounds, but it's yes. isn't it? It sounds pretty, deep. so. Think, think about uh, it when you in the context of like before modern man, like Genghis Khan, right. or something He's like that. Isn't just, that crazy? Succeeded though. Yeah, I mean he goes, I will be remembered. I'll have sex with as many people as I can and leave Genghis Khan everywhere. Yeah, and he did. Like, like the, the the amount of people that have Genghis Khan, what DNA right. or something like that. That's what I'm saying. That's a scary thought. Unreal. I mean, we don't remember any nice guy from that year. 
Right. That guy was awesome. That helped people. You don't, you don't know who doesn't he is matter. Or how many kids is. do they say he has? Well, he was like, he's he like, is. I mean, somebody can look it up, but he is like, his genetics are tied to like one tenth of Asians or something. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's insane. Like, it's the most ever of anybody. And all he did was, I mean, horrific stuff, of course. But with the same drive that I, I just feel like, surely I'm a net positive. And all I can do, you know, that's all I can do. So when it comes to thinking about kids, I'm going to make a mathematical argument. Okay, God, do you want to hear this? Yes, okay, this comes from Discover Magazine. In more quantitative terms, 10% of the men oh, who God. reside within the borders of the Mongol Empire, as it was at the death of Genghis Khan, may carry his Y chromosome. Right, so I was right on with that 10%. Then. 0.5% of the, wor- of the men in the world, about yeah. 16 million individuals alive today. Have 16 million descendants. 0.5% of, of the world. whole yeah. world of 16 men. 10% people of his region. 10% of his region. 10% in his region. 16 million people on Earth, Genghis Khan, have his who, Y chromosome. How many years ago? Can you read further and see how many kids he actually brought into well, this you, world? I mean, I don't even know. I don't you, know, know there's no way to know. All he did that. was go out and rape one everybody. In, uh, uh, everywhere. The, I mean, the, the name of the article is One in 200 Men. One in 200 Men. Direct descendants of Genghis Khan. <laughs> I mean that, but One that's two hundred. But he's a bad guy, though. Yeah, that's, that's, he's that's a bad guy. Like, You're right. Like, so, I mean, so when you think about who you are, as you really need to think in terms of, I mean, you don't have a choice. Even the bad guys want to replicate themselves wow. in whatever way they can. You need to focus on being a net positive in the world. First of all, you must be that, and then go on. Yeah, you know what I mean. So when I think about that's kids, terrific, golly. When you think about kids, that's what this one actually becomes kind of interesting and important to a way. When you think about kids, and I'm not judging people who don't have kids, but it seems like having kids is a, it's always seemed obviously good to me. Now, when I have a kid, they get one half of my DNA, right? Yep. So I've made a half of a replication. Okay. Right. So if you want to replicate and you have two kids, I call that break even. Yeah. Two people. You've made two things that are half you each. So you made a full. That's so just I, break. Got, that's just break joeys. even. That's, that's like that's joeys. like nothing. Yeah, right. So you have to have three kids minimum. Gosh, I do. That's anybody does. I'm at the minimum. If you take replication seriously, Joey, you killed it. You must have at least three kids because two is just breaking even. The way I figure it. I thought and two. I, I thought two you've was made a one copy basically, okay. and then that's that's just, but you haven't really right. advanced it. I call. I feel like that's breaking even. And that's why I'm having a third kid. What? Yeah. She's pregnant? Yeah. Bridget's pregnant? Yeah. That's how you, all that shit. <laughs> we went through that whole shit for you to tell us that. Yeah. So now I'm positively in. replicated above the break even level. Oh my God. Yeah, dog. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I would have called it. I wish I'd have known. I would th- this conversation was going there because I would have said, "Man, you, you couldn't have said it." <laughs> I got you. I got now, you. That makes a lot. Of How sense. long have you known? <laughs> um, we're about twenty weeks. <laughs> twenty weeks. <laughs> yeah, close to it. How long have you known? Oh, long time. Yeah, real long time. But no, this is Genghis crazy. Genghis Khan of Seattle. No, let me tell you. No, I, I actually haven't known a long time. I found out at the uh, first ultrasound. The Bridget said we have a doctor appointment tomorrow. I was like, "What for?" She said ultrasound. <laughs> oh my god! She didn't tell me. That's but. how you found out yeah. she's pregnant. She told me we have a doctor's appointment tomorrow at one. I said, "What's what do you mean?" She said, "It's an ultrasound." <laughs> <laughs> That's how she told yeah. you she's pregnant. Yeah. Good lord! Yeah. You're gonna have another kid. Yeah. Then I held out on y'all up to this point. You know, nice, dude. But I mean, you know that on the the sadder part of that is 
being that we had had a miscarriage, I think she was slow on telling yeah. me. I'm slow right. on telling y'all, and then it's just way that's the way uh, those things go. The, and are, I'm not knocking anybody that has less than three kids, but mathematically, you want to get above break even if that's your strategy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, if you have a strategy for your DNA. for more me because my job in more life is more Matt Carter right. out there. <laughs> are you are you hoping for the other gender or I just keep know. it I on a roll? I, I'm I, look, I, I'm I'm a big proponent of the females wow. going forward. And I genuinely feel, I don't care if I'm wrong about this, or I mean, I just don't know that I'm wrong. I feel like you're better off today if you're born as a female. I just think that's a better <laughs> off. Like, in the long run, I think that's probably the better. If you It's really funny. Before we recorded this podcast, man, says, oh, there's something I want to say. Let's record one more podcast. There's been something I'm wanting to say, and that was I it, but he it. knew. But I do feel like, overall, it's a toss-up. It'd be interesting to have a, a male child, but I actually feel better about a female. Yeah. So that's just me. But I'm happy either way. Well, congrats. Yeah, congratulations, <laughs> man. All right. Let's do it. Okay, guys, before we move on, I'm going to tell you about Legacy Box. Now, we've had a lot of good sponsors on this podcast, but this one has already brought me more enjoyment by a long shot than any other podcast sponsor we've ever had. In fact, it's brought more meaning in my life. I have some old videotapes that have been sitting around unplayable, some of them even damaged, and sitting in boxes. And I sent them off to Legacy Box. These are mini DV and 8mm tapes. And you cannot believe what's on them. I have to share it with you guys some. I shared it with some of the guys on the tour bus. I've got tapes, literally, of the first time we ever played a gig, which was like me, Seth, and Devin. And we are loading up the trailer and figuring out how to... And it's open trailer, trying to keep the drumsticks from falling off, driving to this Halloween party to go play Green Day and Weezer covers. And you can have me trying to guitar solo when I'm 17... And it, everything about the tapes is just so crazy. I have a, the whole early career of Emory. I have shows from Emory in 2002 before we had the songs, while we were working out the songs on the week's end. I've got all this tape of my whole past, which turns out to kind of matter in the end. Like, not only is it my memories and my stuff like that, but actually other people care about it. And the story of Emory actually turns out to matter. But every story matters if it's your memories, if it's to you, if it's to your family. There's nothing more meaningful than be able to see you with your grandma when she was still here and all the stuff she said. And if you've got that sitting on a tape somewhere and you can't access it, that's crazy. You could be the hero in your family. If you can get your old tapes, get your old unclaimed photos, all the old memory stuff and get it digital, VHS tapes, they do everything and it is terrific. I mean, you can bring back lost memories for everybody to experience the joy and the nostalgia of reliving it. And that's important. That's how you know who you are. It's how you know where you're going in your future and don't make the same mistakes. It's invaluable. And of course, the technology of digitizing stuff is getting easier and better. Legacy Box is the best at it. They've mastered it. Their service is incredible. Your memories are safe. And it's something I could not more highly recommend. So not only is it getting better and easier and cheaper, I believe if I'm reading this correctly, we're talking about they're going to give you 40% off. That's insane. There's never been a better time to digitally preserve your memories. You can visit LegacyBox.com to get started. And uh, for a limited time, they're offering our listeners an exclusive discount. Go to LegacyBox.com slash BadChristian and get, yeah, I'm reading it right, 40% of your first order. Go to LegacyBox.com slash BadChristian and save 40% today. Get started preserving your past. Okay, so we have today uh, Dr. Jenny Dyer, Ph.D., and I say, Doctor, I, I think it's so cool when somebody has their Ph.D. Like, do you make everybody call you Doctor? Because I would. I'd make my family, 
<laughs> neighbors, anybody call me doctor. Cause it's so hard to get your PhD. I, the people that I've known have done it. It seems like just almost like torture. No, 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 of course I don't. <laughs> I don't even make my students say doctor or professor. You're being no. too humble. You've blown, you, this is your one chance in life for people to, to call you by the correct I name. Know, I know, so, You know, sometimes if I feel like somebody, you know, should give a little respect, I'll, I might ask for you it. You might drop A student, I might drop it, but <laughs> most of the time people just call me Jenny, so that's, that's totally fine. That's pretty cool. Uh, and and we'll get to a bunch of stuff early. I don't want to just stay on the doctor part, but I, when I was reading a little bit about your biography and uh, Melanie introduced us, uh, it says you got your PhD in history and critical theories of religion. What is critical theories of religion? I've never <laughs> even heard of that before. I know. Um, I spent, I, I have a master of theological studies and um, honestly, I thought I was going to be a new Testament professor um, and, and studied that in college and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, um, then pivoted and decided no, but I was always fascinated. I, th I think when you do a PhD, um, you have to have a really strong question that drives you because it's going to drive you for five to seven years or whatever right. it takes. So my question was, why do people believe what they believe? And I, I found that that was the question I wanted to work with and answer. And to do that, I really wanted to look at um, Southern evangelicals, evangelicals in the Southern United States. Um, and, I, and I also wanted to use tools in sociology and psychology to think about that question. So this particular PhD program allowed me to do both. I could look at Southern history and, uh, and Southern culture, and I could also do some work in psychology and sociology and kind of marry the two thinking about, uh, in my my issue, I was interested in the rise of the megachurch. Why was mega, why were megachurches growing and smaller churches not growing? Um, and what was going on with that uniquely, particularly in the South or California? So um, kind of took a deeper dive in that, and that, that uh, program allowed for that. So. Wow, that's really interesting. I don't want to throw us off about why you're on here today, but I, that is something I'm fascinated with. The mega, know, the mega church is something that is just... Uh, I, I, you might probably see it in a better light than I do. I worked at two mega churches and I have a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth, but we were, yeah. we're, we're, we're in talks now with maybe a professor that just wrote a book out of uh, Washington university that might, uh, come on and talk, talk with us about mega churches and the impact they've had. Um, real quickly with that findings, did you find any good stuff about mega churches? <laughs> I try to give people the well, benefit yeah. of that. I mean, um, it wasn't like a, a good or bad, really. I was, I, I was more interested in, in getting into how the mega church was, why, why were people choosing the mega church? So right. it wasn't like a qualitative question, good or bad, but there's some great things about mega churches, right. And what they offer to their communities. Um, but, uh, there's also some things that aren't great about mega churches too, right. um, that, um, that could be rectified. And some churches are working on that and others aren't. And, you know, they're all, they're all different. Um, but, uh, but it's an interesting topic. Yeah. It's an interesting phenomenon. Yeah. I, uh, so I ended up working, uh, I, my first, I've been in a band called Emory for, uh, since 2001. And so that's all I did. And then I got offered a position as a worship leader at Mars Hill church in Seattle, Washington, oh, yeah. you know, Mark okay. Driscoll's church that has since imploded and has gone away and doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, and then I got to work 
at another church in Charleston, South Carolina called Seacoast, which is a mega church. Yes, um, I know Seacoast well. Yeah, so it, two totally different experiences. Uh, I, both changed me and helped me grow as a person uh, uh, phenomenally. I, I mean, I, I cannot take that away. Both churches, even with Mars Hill, all the bad stuff that went down there, I am a better person for having gone there. So I do like that aspect of it. It's interesting. I, I don't know what you found, but I think the reason I was drawn to it, because it does feel like, man, we have a, something going here that everybody's on board. You know what I mean? Like I grew up mm-hmm. in small churches. Like, I grew up in very Pentecostal small churches, like 30, mm-hmm. 35 people. My papa was a pastor. You know, yeah. charismaniacs is what they called us. You know, we were running down the mm-hmm. aisles on stuff. And it always just felt like a, just a small group of people that couldn't get much done. But a mega church does feel like you can get something done. But then it starts getting a, a really gray to me what is being done. And so that's what kind of throws me off a little bit. I, I think people's hearts are in the right place usually, even even if bad stuff comes up. But uh, sometimes it makes me question. And that's one of the things, uh, kind of getting into this. So uh, you, uh, you're you a teacher, you, you're a professor at Vanderbilt. And yes. also you work with uh, Hope. I want to say this right because I keep I, I kept telling myself, you, you say it so I don't mess it up. <laughs> it's hope, hope through, through healing hands. Hope yes. through healing hands. Is somebody, That's right. I kept saying hope with or hope I by know. healing hands. I'm sorry about that. So I wanted to make no, sure. It, hope everybody. through healing hands. Yes, and, hope uh, through healing hands. It, uh, just tell me a little bit about that and then we'll kind of, I'll tell you why I was thinking about it with mega churches. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the correlation yeah. in my brain. But yeah, tell us a little bit about hope uh, through healing hands. So I've been with Hope Through Healing Hands now for 10 years. Um, It was founded and chaired by Senator Dr. Bill Frist, who was our Tennessee uh, former um, senator. He was the, also just for those who don't know, he was the um, Senate uh, majority leader during the Bush administration. Um, And since then, he lives in Franklin um, and, uh, you know, works here out of Nashville now, but I joined him to run this humanitarian organization and we have some programs where we do a lot of medical missions and we send um, some uh, students and residents, say from Vanderbilt or Meharry or Lipscomb or Belmont right here in town, largely ETSU um, to developing nations. And they do work for at least a month up to six months um, in clinical settings. They're providing healthcare. These are med students or nursing students. And that's in the footsteps of Senator Frist, who spent 25 to 30 years going into developing nations, often conflict nations like Southern Sudan and providing um, surgery and primary care um, for folks who didn't otherwise have access to medical care. Um, but we also do advocacy, and that's really kind of um, uh, my area of expertise um, for the last now 16 to 18 years. And we advocate on behalf of the world's poorest for our U.S. governmental funding um, to support global health and development. And um, and there's some great stories there to be told. Oh, I'm sure. For me, it's all, I, I guess when uh, we found out you were going to be coming on the show it was interesting to me because I I feel like I'm a normal person in America that does care about other countries. Like like uh, just even watching some of the videos that you had done, it's just shocking to me. Like you, I know you can give percentages of like uh, healthcare, especially for women. It seems like you're almost uh, more about uh, uh, prenatal care and, pre- and mothers mm-hmm. and children project that you're working on. That seems to be maybe the emphasis there. That definitely breaks my heart for sure. And then at the same time, I wonder like how does Toby do anything about it? Like, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, one of the things I think 
Toby needs to know and other Tobys, um, is that uh, you got to educate yourself a little bit on this issue. Um, you know, we grew up, that is you and I grew up, I think during those um, late 70s, 80s, early 90s, where we saw a lot of the um, famine, Ethiopian famine, mm-hmm. and you saw, you kind of got famine fatigue um, with the Sally Struthers, yeah, you know, exactly. ads and that kind of thing. So we're all a little jaded about, you know, how much money are we sending? Is it actually working? Uh, and you kind of get tired of of this mantra, you know? Right. But the good news is that really what's happened over the last 25 years since 1990 is that we have we have done some historic, unprecedented, epic work in global health and development, unlike any other generation before us. And that's the story we have got to tell, you know, not just you, but the church, really. And the church has been at the helm of this, which is part of the exciting um, piece of the story. But just in brief, over this 25-period span, we've been able to cut extreme poverty, that's people living on a dollar a day or a dollar and a quarter a day, in half. I mean, that's in the face of increasing population growth. That's huge. Yeah. Um, at the same time, we've been able to cut the number of people who are living in hunger in half. We've been able to cut uh, the number of deaths from those dying from uh, uh, HIV AIDS over the last 15 years in half. And that's thanks to this is all thanks to U.S. leadership and uh, in uh, global health funding. Um because we lead the world in this, um, HIV, AIDS, TB, tuberculosis, mm-hmm. malaria, also maternal mortality deaths, which you brought up a minute ago, maternal and child health, that is deaths from complications of pregnancy and childbirth have been cut in half over the last 25 years. And then finally, the number of children who die and, uh, the kids who die from zero to five, they're called child survival issues. They're dying from simple things. They die from, um, number one thing is pneumonia. Number two, so um, death by cold, they get cold. Wow. Uh, number two, diarrhea, so they don't have access to real oral. They need access to oral rehydration, just simple, clean water, frankly, yeah. as salt. Um, and the third is death by mosquito bite. They get malaria. Those are the top three. Um, there are other killers of children, but we've been able to cut the number of child deaths in half over the last 25, 25 years. Um, in 1990, for instance, uh, over 12 million children were dying annually. Today, it's less than 6 million children die annually. It's still too many. We yeah. still have a ways to go. But I say that to say we're halfway there. We're halfway there on so many diseases and simple, preventable, treatable causes of death for the world's poorest. We have got to continue the momentum. And another little piece of this story that's great for everyone to hear is this. And I'll ask, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> here's the question. How much of our U.S. budget do we spend on foreign assistance? Do you know the answer to that? Uh, let's see. Well, no, let's, man. Well, I would think, uh, I got to think this out for a second. I would think that we're a big country and we probably do a lot, but it might not be as much. But I'll say 10 or 15%. That's, that's actually a good guess. Majority of Americans, over 50% of Americans, think that it's 28%. I could see that, too, maybe, like a, a quarter or something like that. A quarter. Um, guess what it is? I'm probably wrong. <laughs> it is less 
Less than 1%. Less than 1%? Less than 1%. And for global health, it's a quarter of 1%. And that's our, uh, like, uh, U.S. actual dollars. That's probably not necessarily including uh, personal charity or something, maybe, right? That is not including philanthropy. You are correct. But when we talk about funding, government funding for all of the things I just talked about, for all of our HIV, AIDS, TB, malaria, orphans, vaccines, education, clean water, all of that. It's less than 1% of our budget, less than one penny to the dollar. Which is probably very interesting compared to probably like how much we spend on, you know, military equipment and stuff like that, which I I support our troops 100%, but I understand like that that's probably a we're way more ready to attack a country than to help them it sounds like well you know it the the you know the military will say the highest levels in the military will say you got to have both right you've got to yeah. you've got to be able to provide care for a country too you've got to provide clean water and education and that what they call soft power or smart power it just goes hand in hand of course with the military power um to prevent poverty but um but yeah, it's we've done this for less than a penny's a dollar. It's not asking for increased funding. It's really just keeping what we're doing going. And um, we have in, we have improved in our science and our we've improved in our ways in which we address these issues. And um, and the U.S. leads the world on these things. So we've got to keep up the momentum. The bad news is that this administration wants to cut this funding by thirty percent. So You're we've kidding been, me. Donald Trump wants to do that? <laughs> Donald Trump, the Trump administration, has called for a, a 30% cut to this 1%. Oh, so man. our job has been to hold the line, particularly with you, with Tobys, right. with, with um, Christians across the United States, to say, no, we, we've done a great thing. We are doing a great thing. We've built a momentum. Um, we've been at the forefront of the HIV AIDS crisis since 2001, um, with Bono and, and, you know, everybody from Bono to Franklin Graham to Senator Friss. And we want to keep this momentum going. And I will say Congress has responded to ignore the administration's, um, proposal and they have held the line last year. And it it looks like they're going to hold the line this year on funding. Um, so we should be fine, Yeah, but it's important for you to let your senators, in this case, Senator Corker, Senator Alexander, know that you care about these issues because it gives them um, and empowers them to do the right thing to support this funding. Does that really work? Like I always feel like I've, I've heard that before a million times. Write your senator, call your senators. Do, do you think that they are listening? Like they do care about their constituents in something like this? Because well, yes. I, I, I Okay. Yes, they do. Okay. Maybe you can explain that a little bit more in two. And then like, does the American public feel this way? Like sometimes it's really easy to be out of sight, out of mind. Hey man, I know it's bad over in Haiti, but man, it's bad here in, you know, middle Tennessee or something like that. Do you you come up against a lot of that? Yeah. I mean, I think the answer is both, right? It's yes to both. Um, They are two different um, areas of funding when you want to talk about you know, and there's so many ways to address this, right? You can you can donate money. You can, you know, pray for these, you know, pray mm-hmm. for Haiti, donate money for Haiti. But you can also do this advocacy work, which is another way I think that Christians often overlook as a way to care for the poor. Um, and this way, uh, honestly, has been really successful, particularly on diseases, because what, you know, Samaritan's Purse or World Vision or 
uh, a host of these other, you know, Compassion International. They're all phenomenal groups that are doing great work around the world, but they don't have the infrastructure to partner with these countries to build the clinics we need to address the needs of, in this case, 22 million people who have HIV AIDS. So, um, you know, the, you've got to have both. It's, it's both. And, um, to talk about the, the response of senators and not to get jaded about it, you know, I think senators, and I know this cause I'm in Washington a lot and I'm meeting with, with these representatives and senators mm-hmm. frequently once a month, they hear a lot of whining from a lot of people on a lot of different issues. And they're usually issues that are very personal to the person that affects them in their pocketbook right. or something of that nature. There's a, there's a self-interest there. Mm-hmm. But when I go to Washington and I bring, you know, you or a Dan Hasseltine or a Steve Taylor, or, you know, whoever, um, with me and we are championing the world's poorest, it's just such a breath of fresh air for them because we're coming in. We're like, this is not about us. This is, this is really, we really want to make sure we're holding the line on people who live on less than a dollar a day. This is a moral issue, right. you know, and, um, and they want to support this. And it's one of the last few remaining issues that remains bipartisan. You know, these, these issues have been supported on the left and the right since the beginning of the Bush administration. And they want to continue to work together because it's, it's simply, I mean, this is why the church has been so great on this. It's just the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, this is a, these are, these are deeply moral issues. Now we could go into why it's, also the best economic reason to do it because we could save money in the long run or the the best national security reason, which we kind of touched on a minute ago talking about the military, but it's also, it's a moral issue. And so it's important to take a stand on these things. So do you know how many things I don't buy or do because I have to call a company or I have to sit there and wait on hold listening to that music? That's why one of our new sponsors, Podium, is just so Awesome. I mean, it's kind of like your all-in-one inbox for interactions for your customers. I mean, the things that the people, the folks, the things that matter to your business, Podium offers it. They are able to let text become the thing that you do because a lot of people don't open those emails. But you know what? 99% of consumers prefer messaging and 99% of texts get opened. Do you hear me? When you're sending that email out to your customers or whatever, they might not open it. That, those percentages are so low that it's staggering. But a text, people are going to open the text, and that's how you're able to communicate with your customers, and your customers are able to easily leave reviews like within 30 seconds. Basically, Podium just kind of does everything for you for your business. It helps you your communication with your customers. It helps you get the reviews you need, and it helps you boost your business, whatever your side hustle is out there. I got a few side hustles myself. So here's what I want you guys to do. Listen, 90% of consumers, like I said, prefer messaging and 99% of texts get open. So you don't have to worry anymore about customers having to hold music, phone tag, whatever, all that can be gone with Podium. Conversations that start with convenience end in more sales. So go to podium.com slash badchristian to get 10% off your monthly subscription. Meet your customers where their screens are. Go to podium.com slash badchristian and get started and save 10%. Uh, when we first started talking, we were talking about megachurches. We led into this. I do think a lot of people are just, uh, they, they've heard so much 
uh, like uh, bad stuff that's going on behind the scenes in charities or philanthropy and stuff like that. So it makes yeah. people not totally trust uh, these organizations. I think like you hear an or there's it seems like there's an organization for everything. So it's hard to to know what to trust or whatever. How do you like how does hope through healing hands separate itself from that? Right. So there's some there's some great ways to check on um, organizations. You can look at some um, some watchdog groups, frankly, called like um, uh, charity. Um, gosh, you put me on the spot. Char- charity guide. There's charity guides out there that can okay. kind of direct you on that. Um, you know, in terms of the U.S. government and how that funding is is spent over the last. Uh, four or five years, um, our USAID uh, funding is is been made transparent to uh, anyone who wants to check it out. It's on foreignassistance.gov, a website, and you can just type in do, 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 nutrition, and you can see every single dollar in nutrition and how it's spent and to That's whom cool. it's going, what implementers. So we've created a system that has allowed for much higher levels of accountability and transparency in the last a uh, couple of administrations, which is different than, say, what we were thinking, feeling the stigmas of the 80s we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, and we do have a new ambassador, uh, Mark Green, who's at the helm of USAID right now, who's really his mantra has been a journey to um, journey to self-reliance. So he wants to see countries and measure how when and how countries can begin to take over their own issues. So we're really looking at successes. Yeah. You know, um, so you can even go on USAID and look at all that, all of their data and see where Ethiopia is versus Haiti versus uh, Botswana and how these are measurable changes in saving the lives of children or, um, uh, a variety of different issues, vaccines, nutrition, um, and how much farther we have to go or how not much farther we have to go. And they're about to not be a, a recipient country. Um, because we've, we've been able to tackle these issues. Wow. So. That's pretty cool. How yeah. does, how does it play out on the ground? Like when you say something like, uh, people are living on a dollar, a dollar and a quarter a day, it is it actually, what does it look like in that country or, you know, in that neighborhood or town? Uh, it, is it like now they're living on $2 a day, like it doubles or like, what does it look like food, nutrition? I mean, does it play out like actually now they're, they're making more money or y'all doing, creating jobs or is it just providing food? Like, are they able to go, go somewhere and get food? What does it look like on the ground? You're right. I mean, these are, those are huge, huge and systemic questions. Um, a lot of people that live on less than a dollar a day are living in either rural communities or perhaps slums in cities. Mm -hmm. Um, they may or may not, I mean, Dan Hasseltine was just in here chatting with me about his latest trip to Addis Ababa in Ethiopia and talking about a community there that didn't have access to water or sanitation. Um, and, and that's, I'm sure they live on, a, you know, at that extreme poverty level, which is about a dollar a day. You know, they don't have anything. They barely have, you know, corrugated metal for shelter. Wow. Um, so you're looking at huge health risks and health problems. Um, but when they can increase their funding, um, you know, particularly the women, when they can bring home some more money, they are, of course, getting better nutrition. The kids can't, she can afford to send the kids to school. She can make it to the clinics with her kids to make sure that they get the proper medicines that they need. Um, so it's, it's a uh, baby steps 
right? I mean, right. Um, but I will say some of our programs, even in our U.S. governmental programs, are built around um, creating jobs, yeah. um, particularly like in the agriculture sector. You know, how can we not just feed people, um, say, in Kenya, but the, the, those people get jobs to create the crops to feed people in Kenya as well. So you're creating job opportunities, which, of course, is lifting um, families out of poverty as well. Right. So it's a lot of moving parts. Um, but the statistics show that what we've done over the last 25 years is definitely working. I mean, in a historic way. So, um, right. there's I, more to go. I but. like, I like your, uh, you know, a little, uh, your, your comment here is this, you guys are committed to improving the quality of life for communities around the world and using health as a currency for peace. You kind of even were alluding to that, but I think you're right. Like it, it's not that it sounds like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't sound like y'all are trying to make places look or be like America, but you're trying to create opportunity so that they can become the country that is successful and healthy. And, and all the opportunities that I, that we receive here, even though there's lots of problems, obviously, but America is, is near the top, at least of just giving people opportunity to pursue goals and to get growth. It seems like health, if people are healthy and they can earn an income and they can work and they can create that definitely will lower uh, the need for military as much and all that. Are, are you seeing some of that too? Is that kind of one of the goals with with this? Absolutely. So yeah, I think you're touching on it. Using health as a currency for peace is one of Senator Frist's kind of mantras, um, which is why it's up there on our website and part of our mission statement. Um, in the sense that if you know he's witnessed this, where if you go into South Sudan and you provide a clinic and healthcare for a community that otherwise may not have anything, and you can provide a, a, a space for for you know folks and children and, and families to stay healthy, you do see a more peaceful community that grows economically and it becomes a little hub as a village. And then that village becomes a town. And he's seen this growth over the last 20 years. He talks about Louis Sedan in his, um, in his book and other places uh, and watching that growth based on the very um, foundation of just simple healthcare. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's critical to a healthy society clearly. Um, but you've got to start somewhere. And if, if folks, aren't able to to get access to healthcare and they're dying of AIDS, they're dying of malaria and they're hollowing out of adults in society or children. You know, you can't create a sustainable society that moves out of poverty, which is of course the ultimate goal. Yeah. Just putting all of ourselves out of a job and and spending and whatnot for Um, a better world. One one of the other things I wanted to talk about too, because I I think it's really interesting and I'm certain it's controversial would be like like I said, you kind of seem to deal with a lot or have a little bit of an emphasis on like uh, mothers and and uh, prenatal care, uh, pregnancy care, children at young ages, you know, getting health care for them. Uh, one of the things that I bet is pretty sensitive is: Are you guys like pro contraceptives? Are you? Guys, I mean, especially within the church. I know Catholic church yeah. for sure, but. Like even in, you know, mainline churches across America, that is a iffy thing. Like, wait, I'll give you money, but if you're sending, you know, condoms or something like that, no way. Do, do y'all, what, what's y'all's experience with that? That's a, that's a, that's a big question, but um, I'm happy, absolutely happy to answer it. We are absolutely pro-contraception and we're also um, pro uh 
um, access to just education on how to space your pregnancies, which may not involve hormonal contraception at all. You can use things like cycle beads to track uh, a mom, you know, a mom's cycle. And then, um, for instance, I met a, a couple in, in Guatemala who d- do that because they're Catholic. Mm-hmm. So we're, we, we, we support this. Um, and Senator Frist and I wrote an article in time magazine called contraceptive is a pro-life cause in the developing world because, um, you know, it, one out of 39 women in sub-Saharan Africa die from pregnancy or childbirth. Um, one out of 39. Yes, My it is. God. It is a life and death situation for women in developing nations. Um, yet it, 80% of these deaths are preventable. Um, 99% of these deaths happen in developing nations. So it's not, you know, here in the U S it is in the poorer nations. Um, and if, if women can have access to either the education to space their pregnancies or access to contraceptives, um, to space their pregnancies, um, we find that particularly if they're getting married at 16, which is the average age of marriage in, say, Ethiopia, mm-hmm. and they de- they can just wait till 20 to debut that first pregnancy with their husband or partner, then they are five times more likely to survive pregnancy and childbirth. I mean, right. again, these are just life and death. Yeah. Um, by the same token, it also is a life saver for the child. If she's able to space her children three years apart, the child is twice as likely to survive, wow. period. So uh, the, these are not issues I think about every day. Right. It's not issues that most American women think about. Some do. Some, some There are pockets in America. But um, this is a very uh, big reality for women in developing nations. Um, so, so contraceptives are absolutely critical, frankly. Yeah. Um, and if the, if the woman can have two children and not have six kids, you know, she can feed those two kids. She right. can send those two kids to school. If not, there are very, you know, horrible stories about women having to choose which child gets to eat that day, oh, which meal, gosh. you know? Um, so, so absolutely, uh, uh, we call it healthy timing and spacing of pregnancies, um, we work with lots of, of evangelical groups, lots of evangelical leaders. Uh, and you can go to our website and look at all the wonderful faith leaders from across the nation, many of whom you would recognize um, who have signed on to support um, um, healthy timing and spacing of pregnancies funding um, uh, around the world for these issues. Do you think the church is like the most crucial spot to get things even to growing more, to be more aware of global health? Because like for me personally, like when you say these things, like I said, it does break my heart. But my daily life, I don't think about uh, malaria. I don't think, you know, I don't think about, I mean, I hear stories sometimes of a, a friend that lost a child and it's heartbreaking and I can relate to that. But when I think about a country thousands of miles away, it's very easy for it to pop in my head and pop out. Like how is the church like crucial in this? Is that kind of one of your goals too, to really get the church together and realizing what this is? And how do you, how are you guys convincing somebody like me that, man, we got to do something? Well, I mean, as I read the scripture, I'm kind of a more of a Tony Campolo type where I read the, you know, red letters. Um, I, I see it through from Genesis to Revelation, the, the call to help the widow, the orphan, the alien, um, to help the sick, um, to uplift the poor. I mean, it's just, you know, uh, there couldn't be more verses in the Bible calling us 
to do this exact work. And I just have to believe if Jesus were alive today and he um, was aware of the different tools and policies and infrastructures that we've created um, over the last, you know, over, over the last decades, um, if, if we are s- saving the lives of millions of people from say HIV AIDS, which is kind of the leprosy of the early, you know, first century. Yeah. Um, shouldn't we be supporting that? I mean, it's, it's a way to heal the sick and to, to help the poor. I mean, it is the call of Matthew 25 writ large. Um, so I, the, the calling is clear from scripture for the church to take part in this. Um, I think the education to your point needs to be done. And if you haven't been to Haiti and you haven't been to um, Namibia or whatever, and seen this and felt it and smelled the smells and know the people, you're right. It is out of sight, out of mind, but, um, we live in an increasingly globalized world. I mean, it's a plane ride away. It is a tweet away, you know? Um, and the world is just getting smaller and, and we have, they are our brothers and sisters. You know, when it talks about loving your neighbor, we live in a world now that they are, everyone is our neighbor. Um, so I, I think Christians have to really think about scripture and the moral issues of this and what their role is. Do you think Christians ever get hung up on the fact that like it, like missionary or helping other countries always centers on also sharing the gospel. So like, like, you know, that, that a lot of times that's a hang up for people because they go, well, I want to help these people, but they need Jesus. Uh, which I mean, I agree. I I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm, I'm probably more liberal than a lot of folks with that. And I'm questioning it every day. And what does it look like to be a Christian? And, but like, uh, that is one thing that I feel like holds back the church. Like, regardless of boundaries of, of religion or race or culture or whatever, like helping people is the right thing to do scripturally. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter who they are. We need to help them on the side of the road. So, um, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Jesus is, is faith and hope and love. And, and I think that plays a role, but um, caring for the poor, providing food, um, providing access to education, these kinds of things. Um, they're, they're realities we have to address first. And I have to say like, uh, you know, most of Africa is Christian. So you're working with Christians already, you know, not necessarily people of other faiths. Um, I just think regardless of people's faith, you know, we're called to do this. Yeah, totally. It's interesting. You're talking about the world getting smaller and us not necessarily, realizing how how globalized the world is now uh being in our band we've toured other countries before and i can remember going to like you know mexico or even even australia which is very similar to america but like mexico or south america um and i realized man these people know so much about america and i know nothing about their country they know they know political leaders they know our actors and actresses they know a lot and it is interesting that we are being watched by the world and our actions sometimes are just like, like me, I'm, I'm a total hypocrite here because I think about myself first often, you know, I do think about the daily, uh, mundane things or the jobs I have to do or the money I have to earn for my family and all that stuff. It, it does come up, but, uh, what's a, what's a couple simple things that can help me do more? Like, I, like you said, you know, contacting your, you know, congressmen, senators, uh, but, 
What what's something simple I can do? Is it? I mean, does it work to send your twenty nine dollars a month somewhere? I mean, it, like, what would you recommend for somebody like me that wants to do something a little bit more? Right. So, I mean, you know, one way that um, honestly studies show that um, people tend to create more empathy in their life for somebody living in a developing nation is this sponsor a child program. So you could go to Compassion, sponsor a child for 30 bucks a month or whatever it is, and have that relationship with that child. Send them letters, support them and their family, trace them over the years and their education and watch that child grow. And it keeps in your mind that child from whatever nation you know, you, you would tend to learn about that nation. You might even visit that nation right. because of that child. Um, so having that one child or that one sponsorship is, is one key way to kind of trigger a daily empathy or, you know, cause you're thinking about it and it's not out of sight, out of mind, but even just watching in the news, you know, what's going on in Venezuela or what's going on in Russia or what's going on, you know, and thinking about, um, how that's impacting the civilians and and what's going on, um, particularly in the developing nations. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I live and work in this stuff and I've been doing it for 16 or 18 years. So it's always hard for me to pop out and not think, cause I'm thinking about it every day, but you know, um, maybe even, you know, as a part of your prayer life, thinking about, you yeah. know, centering and, and, and praying for a particular person or, um, nation, um, that would be another way to daily kind of create a sense of empathy. All right. Well, where can uh, people find you? What, what, like what, what's something, are you doing any uh, speaking or is there any conferences or anything that people can look for to find out more about Dr. Jenny Dyer? Um, so you can go to hope through healing org, and that's a long, it's all spelled out hope through healing org, yeah. And you can find out more about our faith-based coalitions for healthy mothers and children worldwide and how to join. Um, but yeah, we speak, we're going to speak at two conferences here, um, in early November one at the Texas hunger initiative conference in Waco, mm-hmm. um, at Baylor university. And we'll be speaking on international nutrition and advocacy, much like we talked about today. And we're also going to speak at the global, uh, missions health conference in Louisville, Kentucky at Southeastern Christian church again on nutrition. So oh, cool. would welcome anybody to join those conferences. I'll say one last thing. Uh, I was reading some of your articles, uh, which are great, because I've been trying to write lately, and it's just so hard, and I, I'm not a doctor, so it's even worse for me. Uh, I don't have the, the brain cells for it, but uh, one of the quotes you put up that I thought, it really hit me today, because I do struggle with prayer. Like I, I We've had guests on here that just uh, talk about prayer either being very important, or it's not what we think it is, but you uh, quoted C.S. Lewis as saying that prayer doesn't change God, it changes me. And I was just like, man, I needed to hear that today. And I, I don't get like that. Like, that's not that's not really how I talk. It feels a little mm-hmm. a little bit much. But what a great quote. You're right. Like I like per, taking time every day, no matter what, what you know, we're not even talking about, uh, you know, God's real or not. Taking a moment to meditate about something that's not you, it will change you. And maybe that maybe that is a really good thing. Like just take a, a moment each day to pray for somebody in a country that you know a single mom is going through something that doesn't have food to pay for you know uh, money to pay for food that day or something like that i think that's such a great quote i i didn't i mean i I know c.s lewis i've read several of his books and i don't remember that quote and so it really hit me hard today like it does 
prayer isn't even necessarily about God because God's God. He's going to do his thing. But me, I do need changing. I do need to be malleable. I do want to, you know, my heart to break more often than it does. So I think that's a really great, great quote to remember for sure. I, I agree. I should have just told people you you said it. I didn't even have to give C.S. Lewis the credit. <laughs> You're a doctor. Well, they would have believed it. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think it actually was Dr. Jenny that said it, not C.S. Lewis. I don't know. He's gone. Who knows? Anyway, Jenny, thank you so much for being on today. We really do appreciate it. And maybe our paths will cross sometime in Franklin. I hope so. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. For sure. Thank you. All right, Jenny Dyer. Now, here's what I want Good to job, say. Good job, Tobias. That's what I was going to say. Me doing a solo interview is the best for Bad Definitely. <laughs> I, I am the the oldest member of Bad Christian. I'm yep. also the best interviewer, mm-hmm. best looking. Right. Uh, a lot of good stuff came from that, and I really appreciated y'all letting me do me. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, hey, let, let me be me, interview how I interview, because I, 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 I kill. Now, I got lucky. had a great guest with Jenny. She did awesome. Uh, you know, she actually texted Reva after the interview and said, don't air that shit. No, Who was that guy? Didn't. Who was that no, guy? No, she didn't. She said, I thought this was going to be professional and fun it and intelligent. It was professional and fun. She's from my stomping ground now, Franklin, well, Tennessee. Just for the record, Reva smoothed it over. Thank and you, that's Reva. That's why we were able to air it. Thank you, Reva. I really You're appreciate welcome. it. Now, after an interview like that, what, what, how can we keep making the show just exciting? Who else could we bring? What else could we do to make the show even more exciting now? I don't well, know if we can after such I have a good an interview. Idea. You do? Yeah. I'm I'm excited because I'm I'm at a loss. I don't know what we could do to make this show better. Well, right do you now. remember what a long time ago when we discovered the damn news and got a little theme yeah. song going for that and everything? Yeah. Oh uh, yes, I do. That was popular. Then we had, they had the science segment that had a little intro music, and uh, then yep. recently we unveiled a new one a couple of weeks ago. It was that music for T Dong, and that has been a hit. Ooh. Oh, so, and so yeah. the you know Taylor whatever yeah. BC Club whatever put that particular music. Uh, was such a Ooh. hit that, that I see the yes, download yes, spike yes, at that yes. second of that episode. People just fast forward yeah. to hear that. The data shows that the, the T-Dong song shows is that the a song massive hit. Is a hit. He so, puts the massive in T-Dong. So well, let's hit it. I, I want to play that. In the meantime, Reva, see if you can ring Taylor up and get him on the phone during the time Ooh. it takes to roll that music. Go. This is about to, better than I ever, could ever have dreamed. T-Dong, 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 T-Dong. T-Dong, T-Dong. T-Dong, T-Dong, T-Dong. Okay, T-Dong, can you hear us? I can, I can. uh, I'm feeling a little like, you know... This is a this is the new this is the new era. I, I oh. even I'll tell you this. I went to the Toby Morell Academy for songwriting and I got a little jam I wanted to share. Uh yeah. you know, with my with my new intro. So I wanted to be like, it's Emperor T Dong. I now have my own song. My rap game is so strong. Don't hate or you'll be wrong. Oh <laughs> my oh. lord, mic drop everything. Good oh, lord. Hey, hey let me let me get, auto-tune let me, that and play it, send it back to us. We'll use that yeah. and tag it on yep. the hey, song. Hey, let me give y'all a visual because we're the only ones that can see old Taylor right now. He shaved his head. He has a nose ring. Oh. He's got a big <laughs> chain on Wearing and a sleeveless shirt. <laughs> It's Taylor crazy. Awesome. It's Taylor an all did, uh, new you look. Didn't, you didn't know when we unveiled the song. I didn't tell you till later the origin of it. You no, said you I were didn't. flattered about that too, huh? I, I I went home and I told my wife. I said I don't know if this will insult you or not, but our <laughs> wedding day might not be the pinnacle of my life anymore. Now that I have this song and who wrote it, and uh, 
I mean, life has changed. So life be- has forever changed <laughs> for me. <and> my- <laughs> I don't think we told him who wrote it. I hope he doesn't mind. Um, but he sent it in, so I guess he doesn't mind. But Chris Bowden, that was in the you know one of the first Tooth and Nail band, he was a drummer for the band Focused. Way way. Oh, wow. way. He's That's done some cool. photography for photography for us. You can look him up. He's a super talented yeah. guy, musician. He sings, plays guitar, does photography, all this stuff. And he just texted me the thing out of the blue. I guess he had listened to the episode. He said, I feel so dumb for doing this, but here you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is it for sure. And so that is Taylor so cool. being an old school fan like that, I think that's meaningful. I told to him, Matt, so if you thank think you, Joey... I told Matt, if you think Joey fanboys out about this stuff, the fact that someone from Focus wrote my intro song, I mean, that's... Dude, I'm loving just hearing it. I'm I'm loving just hearing it. (laughs) The the Hope That Lies Within, I love that album. Oh, my gosh. Super cool. Taylor, what's going on in the club, man? Yeah, and and I hate to kind of bring us down a little bit after all this enthusiasm and positivity, but, man, I've, I've been bummed out. I met someone... That's not in the BC club. And I guess, I don't know if I've just been sheltered or living. I, I just assumed everybody. everybody. Point, where were you? Worldwide. Where were you? you had to be in another country or another planet. Yeah, right? I mean, I, it, it was in my own backyard in San Antonio, Texas. I, I, I met Lord. someone on the street. They weren't even actually paying attention to me. They were a complete street. I just walked up to them. I said, hey, what's up? It's, uh, it's Emperor T-Dong uh, from, <laughs> from Bad Christian. And they go, what are you talking about? I said, Bad Christian. What are you talking about? I said, BC Club, Bad Christian. And then they just kept walking. And I, at that moment, that's <laughs> when it hit me Lord. that there are people in this world that are not only not in the BC Club, but don't listen to Bad Christian. And that I I just wasn't living in that realm until that moment I, right yeah, now. Yeah, I wasn't until you said that. That's shocking. Hey, that's I think, shocking I news. think we need to come up with some sort of a mark for people. And and what I'm thinking is, like, when <laughs> yeah. Bad Christian was conceived in, my, in your brain on June the 6th of 2006, that's when we started to... June Talk 6, about 2006. Yeah, yeah, so we just need to make that mark on everybody's I forehead. I think that'd be really good. Forehead right. or somewhere on the wrist or something like that. But yeah. Well, the good news is it's been about uh, probably about a month now that, you know, we've started, uh, you know, an- announcing some of the stuff for a BC Con and uh, we started BC Club had their their early bird access and everything. And what's really cool is we talked about this BC Club Facebook group. As soon as we announced that we were, um, you know, registration was open for BC Con everyone's on there about, you know, who wants to jump on the same flight, who wants to carpool, who wants to get an Airbnb. I mean, it's just this cool community. But I I do think we stress that even with BC Con, with the BC Club, there are going to be people at BC Con that are not a part of the BC Club. Obviously, I just mentioned that I I realized that we're not 100% of the entire world population. But, you know, for those listening that aren't in the BC Club and maybe still won't be in the BC Club come BC Con time, you know, it will be a good chance to kind of interact with some people from the BC club and hear about yep. their experience in it and hear about some of the communities and friendships and subgroups. And I mean, just all the stuff that's going on, but we say it every time it's a really cool community. And I think a lot of times when people are listening to this podcast, it is at a time when you're not at a computer, you're at the gym, working out, you're, you're walking the dog, you're in the car, you're driving. And so you know, you might not be in front of the website to sign up, but I do encourage everyone to, uh, if, you, if you can make a, re- a mental reminder, uh, go home, www.thebcclub.com. Check it out. Uh, the, the, the support allows Bad Christian to do what it does. It gives you access to this community, the Facebook group. And then we also have perks that we like to give out along the way when we have releases such as books, albums. Um, I will say this to Joey. I heard you say it again, that when you sign up, you get a T-shirt. That's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> not even at the 14 or 21? 
No, I think for like a couple of years now, every time you mention the BC club on the podcast, you're like, sign up, you get the shirt. And I'm like, I need to remind him not to say that, that. That, never, <laughs> that. That never was the case. It, it was it, in the beginning before we added some gotcha. additional perks, before we added gotcha. the albums, before we added some other stuff. So we actually bring more value to the levels now. Uh, yeah. but we do have BC supply, which we do give you a discount um, only for BC club members and BC supply. If you want to go out and check out some of the merchandise there, but a lot of stuff, too many perks to mention, but like I said, it's a really great opportunity. It's a great time to join and uh, would love to see as many people in the BC club as possible so that we can hit our goal of world domination, 100%, 7.3 billion people right. in the BC club. Well, if you're coming to the conference and you're not in the club, you've got some time to get in there, forge some relationships, join the club now. You'll find some Airbnb partners and other, you know, by the time you get to the conference, you'll already be you know, as they say, plugged into the social pipeline. So that's true. You don't need yes. to wait. Taylor, how's life just in general for you, man? Life in general, right? life in general is good. Um, I, I, <laughs> we, we, uh, we're expecting our day, first kid and T-Dong is going to have uh, a <laughs> baby T-Dong in March. Nice. So Dang. Hey, but yeah. the theme, the theme song is still a little bigger than that, right? Oh, it is. And, okay. I, and I, I, I hope to one day explain that to my child. I said, look, you were you're a big moment in my life. You're yeah. one of right. the top three easily. I don't think how you, I don't understand why anyone can be mad about top three. So, no. right. All right. So before before we let you go, what would you do if you were on this call with us uh, this time, you know, however many months from now and you get a text from your wife saying, come to the hospital now, you will finish up the interview, right? I mean, well, yeah, I, I, okay. I think that's that's an understanding. I don't know. If I just want to make sure because I don't want to get our ourselves in a jam no 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 i mean there 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 is there's bad christian the bc club then faith family and then <laughs> right. football so right. it's, it's <laughs> that's good taylor thank you so much man we appreciate All right, guys, it guys thank you all right we'll talk to you soon okay you want to read some na- do we got names for people today yeah we sure New do we sure members do. of the club yep uh, thank you guys for joining. These are some of our more recent inductees, and we've got Frederick W. Nuffer. Fred. Uh, Ryan Even. Mm-hmm. Austin Evans. Aaron Fridman. Right. Michael Kumar. Uh-huh. Love Brian, that movie. Brian Brinkley. Yep. Christopher Patterson. Mm. Nick Christensen. Okay. Joseph Farley. Ooh, is that one of those if, if he's related? To Chris Farley? No, the other one. Okay. Get out of here. Mark Barrett, Gabe Quintana, uh-huh. Mike Madanat, Madanat. I think you nailed it. Brian, <laughs> Brian Hartsham. Yes. Abby Ritchie, Ooh. Dustin Fry, Brian Gray. Nice one. Curtis Masher mm-hmm. or Mature. 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 Carter Brown, Blake mm-hmm. William, Aldridge. Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> I messed something up here. Let's see. So Let me go Curtis back to Matcher, Mike, Mike, Mike Madan, Madanat, Brian Hartsham, Abby Ritchie, Dustin Fry, Brian, Brian Gray, Gray, Curtis, Curtis Matcher, Carter Brown. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I bet you it's Curtis Marcher, Matcher Carter. Carter. Yeah. No? Cause, no, because then it'd be Brown Blake. So it's I'm, Carter. Maybe that William. These names are in like a horizontal paragraph. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. It's probably Blake William Aldridge. Oh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Aldridge Matt? I know, like, Aldridge Matt? What is and that? All right. just goes by the, the one name. Yeah. Blake cool. William Aldridge and Matt Weatherly. Okay. Peace we, and God right, bless. Man, well, you really got through that well. We're going to have to put a two-name limit on, on, on... I know, my God. <laughs> How many names are you going to put on here, Clubbers? Good Lord. <laughs> thebcclub.com. Okay, y'all have a good week. <laughs>